Today's scripture is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified. They thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Continuing the story from last week, the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, after they re realized who he was in the breaking of the bread, seeing that custom that he did, uh, seeing how he related to his Father in heaven, and then seeing the wounds on his hands, most likely, they, their hearts were burning within them, and so they couldn't just sit there and let all their friends back in Jerusalem continue to believe that Jesus was still dead. So they left immediately. They ran back to Jerusalem as fast as they could get there, and they found the brothers and sisters who they had loved and who they were a part of the community around Jesus with, and they told them what they had experienced on the road. They told them what they had seen in the breaking of the bread. But before they were able to even tell them that, the disciples were already totally in a buzz because Simon Peter had encountered the risen Lord. Simon Peter had had an encounter with Jesus and, and he brought this account back. And since Simon Peter was so respected and seen as a leader within this group, they were already beginning to have hopes rise. And so this new account brought by these two other disciples who had experienced Jesus on the road just added fuel to their fire. And so they began to get super excited and the whole room was filled with electricity at the idea that Jesus was not defeated on the cross and that Jesus is alive again, raised from the dead, just like he had taught and he had promised that he would, but they hadn't listened quite well enough. And so they were excited about this and they were, they were beginning to talk with another and one another and, and they were beginning to share their experiences and their hopes. And as the room was abuzz with all this excitement, Jesus just kind of shows up in the room. 
Isn't that kind of crazy? Jesus just kind of shows up in the room and they all of a sudden are aware that Jesus is there in the room. And at first, at first they think that he's a spirit, an apparition. Remember, almost every single account of Jesus, people don't really recognize him for who he is first right away. Right? If this was an imagination and a delusion or whatever, then they would have immediately recognized him. But there was something unique and something different about the resurrected body of Jesus, how he appeared to them, how he moved, or, or something that we don't really understand or know that didn't allow them to quite understand who he was right at first. But then they, as they, he opened up to them and as he began to reveal himself to them, they began to understand who he was. So Jesus calms them down and says, I'm not a ghost, you guys. <laughs> I'm here. It's really me. Look, look, touch the wounds in my hands. Touch the wound in my side where the spear went in. See that it's it is truly me, your teacher, your Lord. And he allows them to physically touch his body and he, he tells them that he is flesh and bone. He is flesh and bone. And then he asks them, do you have anything to eat? First note on this. Again, like last week, Jesus still has the wounds, not scars, not grown over. And, and Jesus' body isn't one that ha- it just needs some healing time. No, Jesus' body is a resurrection body. It's a resurrection body. It's a body that, that is a, an incorruptible body that he is meant to live in for all eternity in relationship with us and with the Father. And so th- these wounds are not going to go away. And in fact, one day we will all be witnesses to these wounds as eternal memorial of the love of God for a people, not the Jews, but all of humanity, not just the Jewish people, all of humanity who had rebelled and rejected friendship with God, trust of God. And yet God still loved his creation so much that he would become a human being and then he would allow himself to be put on the cross and then as an eternal memorial in his resurrected body, he bears the symbols, the signs of that love, of that sacrifice for us. What an amazing thing, an incredible thing for us to meditate on and to think about. Jesus tells them that he's flesh and bone. He is no apparition, no spirit. And he asks them if they have something to eat. He must be hungry. Or, or maybe really it's actually further way of proof that he's no spirit because a spirit wouldn't have been able to eat food or a ghost wouldn't be able to eat food or an imagination, a delusion, mass hysteria wouldn't have been able to eat real food. And so Jesus was revealing to them his actual physical existence as a resurrected human. This was not particularly a new idea or a strange idea to these believers who were gathered together. As first century Jewish folk, uh, many of them 
believed in a physical resurrection of all of God's people at the end of time. It was a belief that preceded Jesus' resurrection and preceded Christian theology about this topic. Jews, there was many Jews, many different parties of the Jews, including the Pharisees, who believed that this day would come at the end of time when all humans would be resurrected and the people of God would be resurrected to rule alongside God in an eternal kingdom. They believed that the Messiah was going to bring and usher in this age and this time. And so, this is not a new concept. They were expecting this, but they weren't expecting it to happen like this. They believed that all of that was going to happen at the end of the age, and God had a different plan. God decided that he was going to bring the resurrection first fruits, Jesus, into the middle of time, and that he was going to, he was going to invade the current time with his kingdom so that his kingdom might begin to grow still in this era, in this time. So there's an importance to the physical resurrection for Jewish believers. And, and as they encountered the resurrected Jesus, they began to realize God's plan for all of humanity was that we would all be resurrected like Jesus. And so Christians assumed this belief and they held it very tightly. It was important to them. In fact, you can see how important it is to them as Paul writes his letter to the church of Corinth, his first letter to the church of Corinth. And as he writes this letter to them in chapter 15, or our chapter 15, Paul wasn't chaptering things, but when we get to our chapter 15, Paul talks about the resurrection. And Paul talks about how important it is that we affirm the testimony of the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus resurrected and how the hope of Christianity is in our own resurrection to be united with God in the resurrected Messiah at the end of time. And Paul was incredibly adamant about the fact that if there was no resurrection, if, if it was simply just an apparition, or if it was a delusion, or if it was a, a, a spiritual metaphor of some sort, like people today sometimes say, then our whole faith is in vain. And we should be pitied because we're a people who hope in something that is inherently hopeless because it didn't happen and it's not going to happen. Paul sees the resurrection as such a hinge belief and a hinge theology for our faith that he says that if you don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus and in our and hope in our own physical resurrection at the end of time, then then what, is, what are you even doing calling yourself a Christian? Because there's no hope in your beliefs. We're to be pitied. So Paul encourages us to recognize that those who witnessed Jesus' resurrection, and he includes himself in that, are not beguiled in some way or are not deluded or are not making things up, but that they are resting in a hope that they are sure of because they have seen it for themselves, they have touched it for themselves. And this is what the disciples do when they pass these accounts on to us of their interactions with Jesus. We remember that when Jesus interacts in, in another story of his appearance, 
that Jesus says to them that you guys see and touch me and believe? Well, blessed are those who will never see me, who will never touch me, and yet they will still believe. Jesus was cognizant that the church was going to have to grow by faith that did not include eyewitness personal experience and not include touching Jesus' wounds and recognizing that it was him. The rest of us are going to have to rely on the testimony of these men and women as they experienced the resurrection and then handed that down to others. And that we would believe, hoping that one day we would get to witness the resurrection. In the end of time, when we are resurrected and we get to see Jesus' wounds for ourselves. The resurrection is so important to our faith. And hope in the resurrection is so important to our faith. And I think that it makes perfect rational sense. If we believe in a God who created this universe and created this universe and, and proclaimed that it is good, and then yet something didn't go right or something was twisted in this good and we sinned and we broke promise and trust with God and we marred his creation in some way. Then if we believe like some do that Jesus didn't raise from the dead and that it's just all a metaphor and that we're all just going to exit our bodies and we're just going to float up to heaven and sit on a cloud for all eternity, then it means that God failed and God never could overcome what happened in the fall. It means that his grand exper experiment of a physical creation didn't work. And so, well, let's just go back to what we know works, the spiritual realm. No, that's not what the scriptures promise to us. That's not what the scriptures say to us. What the scriptures tell us is that God so loved this world that God so loved this created order, that God still had a plan for what he was doing in his physical creation. And so the resurrection tells us that God hasn't given up on this earth. God hasn't given up on this creation. God is finishing his plan to make it good for all eternity in the resurrection in Jesus. And so our hope in the resurrection not only is critical and important to us because it means that we will have an eternal relationship with God, but it's also incredibly important to how we see our work in this day and this age. See, if we have this theology that's kind of like I'll fly away, the song that we all are familiar with, I'll fly away, you know, I'll go, go away someday, then that can lend for us to believe that there's no responsibility in this time and in this world. But if we understand the resurrection and God's intention to make this world good again, then we care deeply to make this world good again in whatever way we can following him during our lives. That we would care for creation. That we would be good stewards over the things that we have been put into authority with. That we would take care of the land. That we would take care of animals. That we would be responsible with our relationships with one another. That we would be selfless and serving of those in our community and those in our world. The resurrection pins all of us to that kind of thinking. It makes us recognize that God has not given up on this world 
And so we shouldn't give up on this world. Even when things like wars or rumors of wars or famines or COVID-19 or anything else that might come that might disrupt our lives and might try to break our resolve to serve God in this world, that the resurrection reminds us that God has a resolve to do good in this world and to recreate it into what he designed it to be in the first place. And so we as his people, as his body, are called to have an incredible resolve to serve and love others and to be his light and his witness to his love and his compassion and his truth in this world today. We can do this even during COVID-19 by not spreading rumors, by not spreading lies, by not gossiping, by, by not uh, causing divisions. We can do this by, by loving one another and reaching out to one another. We can do this by selflessly caring for those who are most vulnerable around us. We can do this by trying our best to obey the leadership of our government and following the commands that they have, that they're just doing their best to try and make sure that they keep us safe as best as possible. And in us staying home and trying to keep socially distanced and wearing masks and wearing gloves, we are showing that we're not giving up on this world, but that we love this world and we love everyone and we're going to do whatever we can to serve others, even if it means giving up a little bit of my freedom to roam around for a while while this virus is figured out. We, we the people of God, are called to love, we are called to serve, and we are called to still have hope and the plans that God has for this world that we find ourselves in. And we are to be a witness to that, to everyone we can possibly be in relationship with during our lifetimes. Let us fix ourselves on that resolve to be the people of God and to cling to the hope that God gives to us in his recreation in the resurrection at the end of time, which we know because of the resurrection in the middle of time in Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, continue to hope in God's good promises for this world. No matter how bleak it gets, no matter how um, how hopeless it seems. Remember that there's been plenty of other bleak times and hopeless times and God got his people through it and got the world through it even in those times. And so God will continue his work on this earth. He will continue his work in you. And So hope in him. Find time to reflect on the hope of God in the resurrection. And then you yourself resolve to be a part of the goodness that God is doing even now to recreate the earth in his image. So go, go and follow the resurrected Lord wherever he may take you. Love others, think not of yourself but of others first and care for others in the name of Jesus Christ and may he bless you and may he keep you during these days. Amen.